0: MSW Media. Thanks to Policy Genius for supporting the Daily Beans. Your loved ones deserve a financial safety net. You deserve a smarter way to find and buy it. Head to policygenius.com or click the link in the description to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Monday, November 27th, 2023. Today, hostages and prisoners are being released in Biden's brokered ceasefire. The Ohio Walmart shooter may have been inspired by racist ideology. Abortion rights groups seek ballot measures in nine more states in 2024. Three Palestinian students have been shot in Burlington, Vermont. Derek Chauvin was stabbed in prison over the weekend. And Elon Musk's lawsuit offers a glimpse into the Musk-MAGA alliance. I'm your host, Allison Gill. Hey, everybody. Happy Monday after the holiday. Dana's traveling. She'll be back with us tomorrow. So I miss her. I know I miss her, too. But thank you for hanging in with me for the solo news today. There's a new episode of the Jack podcast out. It's called Total Protonic Reversal because we crossed the streams between federal and state cases against Trump. And I hope everyone enjoyed the Refried Beans episodes this past weekend featuring, I think, John Cryer, Andrew Weissman was in there. Um, So we really appreciate you uh, enjoying those, uh, enjoying those reruns. Uh, All right. We have a lot of news to get to today. So let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. First up from the Washington Post. Abigail Eden, a four-year-old with American and Israel citizenship who was taken hostage on October 7th was back in Israel on Sunday, President Biden said in a news conference. The Red Cross was transporting a group of Hamas's captives, the third of four groups planned to be exchanged for Palestinian prisoners in as many days, to Israeli authorities. Israel Defense Forces spokesman Daniel Hagari said the Red Cross, acting as an intermediary, was carrying 14 Israelis and three others. Hamas has released 26 Israeli hostages in the first two days of the pause in exchange for 78 Palestinian prisoners released by Israel. Hamas has separately released 14 Thai nationals and one Filipino national. Sunday's trade was going more smoothly than Saturday's when the release of hostages was delayed by seven hours after allegations from Hamas that, among other things, Israel was not allowing humanitarian aid to reach parts of northern Gaza. President Biden then made a phone call and the release was back on. Today will be the fourth day of the four-day ceasefire Monday, which Biden hopes to extend to release more hostages, though I'm not sure what happens when we get to the point where Hamas only has a few hostages left. According to sources, this was Biden's deal. He wanted a longer pause in fighting, but Netanyahu pushed back, uh, as he has been on all the negotiations since the beginning of the war. So I'm wondering if it's time to be more public about what's going on in these negotiations. Next, from CNN, Derek Chauvin, the former Minneapolis police officer who was convicted in the 2020 murder of George Floyd, was stabbed Friday in a federal prison in Tucson, Arizona. It's according to the Office of Minnesota Attorney General Keith Ellison. The attorney general's office, which prosecuted Chauvin in the Floyd case, said early Saturday it was notified of the assault and was told Chauvin was in stable condition. He is expected to survive. He says, quote, I am sad to hear that Derek Chauvin was a target of violence. That's what Ellison said, according to the statement provided to CNN. He went on to say he was duly convicted of his crimes and like any incarcerated individual, he should be able to serve his sentence without fear of retaliation or violence. The quote here from the news source was an incarcerated individual was assaulted at the Federal Correctional Institution in Tucson at approximately 1230 p.m. That's according to the Bureau of Prisons on Friday. Responding employees initiated life-saving measures for one incarcerated individual, and that person was transferred to a hospital for treatment. That's what the Bureau said in a release. No employees were injured during the incident. The stabbing was first reported by the Associated Press and then the New York Times. Visitation at the prison was suspended starting Saturday until further notice, according to the Bureau of Prisons. Chauvin was assaulted at the medium security prison while serving two concurrent sentences in Floyd's murder. I hope that we use this as a catalyst for reform for the Bureau of Prisons. Next up from NBC, seeking to extend their unbroken winning streak, abortion rights supporters are already deeply entrenched in efforts in at least nine states to put the issue on the ballot in the 2024 election. Groups have begun collecting signatures to let voters in these states decide on similar initiatives. The latest victory for the movement was in Ohio, as we know, on issue one, where voters enshrined abortion rights in the Constitution of the Republican-leaning state. It's all part of a growing effort to put abortion rights directly in the hands of voters, a movement that took off after the Supreme Court, as we know, overturned Roe v. Wade in its June 2022 Dobbs decision. Quote, we've already seen the power of direct democracy in seven states where campaigns to protect or restore abortion rights won resoundingly. That's Alexis McGill Johnson, CEO of Planned Parenthood's political arm, a group closely involved in the state efforts to expand abortion rights. Quote, across the country, voters are eager to fight the tide of anti-abortion policies pushed by politicians. Many, however, face a far less certain path forward than previous efforts. In some deep red states where such efforts are underway, Hurdles include public opinion on abortion care that is much less supportive, while in others the obstacles are technical including difficult signature and passage thresholds. Still, advocates in a number of states say they see a clear road to more success. Efforts are currently underway in Nebraska, Missouri, South Dakota, Arizona, Nevada, Florida, New York, Maryland, and Colorado. And next up from NBC News, the gunman who opened fire at an Ohio Walmart this past week injuring four people may have been at least partly inspired by violent racist ideology. That's according to the FBI. Benjamin Charles Jones, who was 20, who killed himself after opening fire with a carbine at the Walmart in Beaver Creek at about 8.30 p.m. Monday. That's according to authorities. He wounded four people, a white man, a white woman, and two black women, according to the FBI. All survived. All survived. Jones was white, according to the FBI. Quote, based on evidence collected, including journal writings from the attacker, the attack may have been at least partially inspired by racially motivated violent extremists' ideology. That's according to the FBI and Beaver Creek Police in a statement. Quote, the FBI will continue to investigate the motivating factors leading to this attack. Jones used a 45 caliber high point carbine with one nine round magazine, according to authorities. He bought the weapon Saturday, just two days before he opened fire, from a store in the Dayton, Ohio area. Beaver Creek is a city of around 46,000 just east of Dayton, Ohio. Next up from CNN, three Palestinian college students were shot in Burlington, Vermont, on Saturday night, according to police. The 20-year-old men were all receiving medical care, according to a Sunday police news release. Two are stable, while one has sustained much more serious injuries. The students were walking on Prospect Street while visiting a relative in Burlington for Thanksgiving when they were confronted by a white man with a handgun. Without speaking... He discharged at least four rounds from the pistol and is believed to have fled on foot. Police say the two of the victims are U.S. citizens and one is a legal resident. Two of the three students were wearing kafias, traditional Palestinian scarves, according to the police department. Two were shot in the torso and one in the lower extremities. Authorities say there's no additional information to suggest the suspect's motive at this point. Detectives recovered ballistic evidence from the shooting, which will be submitted to a federal database. The FBI said Sunday it was prepared to investigate the incident. Police Chief John Murad said in an earlier news release that officers responded to a call and found two shooting victims, with the third a short distance away, all close to the University of Vermont campus. The victims were transported to the UVM Medical Center, and the shooter or shooters have not yet been identified or apprehended, according to Murad. And the police department is, quote, at the earliest stages of investigating this crime. In a joint statement, the victim's families urged law enforcement to investigate the attack as a hate crime, and they say, quote, we will not be comfortable until the shooter is brought to justice. No family should ever have to endure this pain and agony. Our children are dedicated students who deserve to be able to focus on their studies and building their futures, unquote. And finally, today from Greg Sargent at The Washington Post, Elon Musk's new lawsuit against media matters, which x corp filed late monday has been dismissed by legal experts as frivolous and an effort to bully a prominent critic into silence but some republicans apparently see this as a feature not a bug and they're allying themselves with musk's efforts for precisely this purpose musk's suit charges that media matters deliberately and deceptively harmed twitter x with a widely publicized investigation showing that posts containing pro-nazi content appeared on x alongside advertisements from leading companies That, along with a surge in anti-Semitic content, has advertisers fleeing the site, sparking a slide in ad revenue. Republicans are eagerly rushing to Musk's rescue, and not just rhetorically. Two Republican state attorneys general, Ken Paxton in Texas and Andrew Bailey in Missouri, have responded by announcing vaguely defined investigations into media matters. Meanwhile, Trump advisor Stephen Miller is urging Republican law enforcement officials to probe media matters for criminal activity and Mike Davis, who is touting himself as Donald Trump's next attorney general, has declared that Media Matters staff members should be jailed. The lawsuit, filed in federal court in Texas, doesn't deny that the juxtapositions between ads and pro-Nazi postings are real. Rather, it accuses Media Matters of creating an account, following only fringe content, and then endlessly refreshing until it generated the juxtapositions. Those are extraordinarily rare, the lawsuit says, but were deliberately engineered to disparage X, harm its revenue stream, and interfere with its contracts with advertisers. It's a weak case, experts point out. The Media Matters article said it had found the juxtapositions, which X calls false, insisting they were manipulated into existence. But even if you question Media Matters' presentation of the facts, it still wouldn't show that it did all of this harm to X's market value. That's Stephen Vladek, law professor at the University of Texas at Austin. He's been a guest on our show. If Media Matters doctored the images and couldn't replicate those results, then maybe there'd be a claim here. That's what Vladek told me. This is Greg Sargent speaking at the Washington Post, stressing that it did prove possible to see those ads alongside Nazi-related content. He noted that Media Matters plausibly wrote about these juxtapositions not to hurt X, but because they're newsworthy. When Greg Sargent asked Angelo Carasone, the president of Media Matters for America, whether it's misleading to say these images were found, he rejected that premise. He noted that Media Matters' goal was to show that despite X's assurances to the contrary, internal safeguards had failed to prevent those juxtapositions from actually happening. Quote, The point that we've been making is that the filters that they say exist are not working the way they claim. That's what Carasone said of X ads can and do run alongside extremist content. That's something that those companies would surely want to know about and avoid. The lawsuit might get dismissed, but if not, Caroussone says, Media Matters would probably pursue discovery, seeking to learn whether Musk and ex-executives knew internally that these juxtapositions were happening, what they communicated with advertisers about it, and how Musk internally discussed procedures for handling extremist content. Discovery could also seek communications about Musk's public anti-Semitism. Musk recently endorsed a posting that some Jewish communities are pushing hatred against whites, resulting in hordes of minorities flooding into Western countries. Classic white genocide theory. Carason noted that Discovery could establish whether Musk's seeming endorsement of the white genocide worldview was a major reason for advertisers to reassess. Which brings us to a bigger point, Greg says. Musk's own anti-Semitic utterances and his own website's handling of anti-Semitic content are plainly also key reasons companies are leaving. As First Amendment lawyer Ken White told me, it's hard to imagine that the Media Matters report alone would have done this damage. Much of the advertiser exodus resulted from Musk personally and eagerly endorsing explicitly anti-Semitic rhetoric. In this context, The GOP defense of Musk takes on an uglier cast. Musk's white genocide moment is often dismissed as conspiracy theory, but it's more than that. Between it, Musk's elevation of great replacement theorist Tucker Carlson, and his bashing of George Soros, his trafficking in white nationalist sentiment, his amplification of misinformation about Trump's insurrection, and more, what's on display is a genuine worldview. As writer John Gans notes, it reflects an ideological turn among certain tech oligarchs—Peter Thiel is another—that aims to place vast technological prowess at the service of reactionary and authoritarian politics. So when Republicans vow to use state power against critics of Musk, they aren't merely promising to shield this billionaire's business interests from his own expressions of anti-Semitism. They'd also wield state power to corruptly protect someone— who is marshalling his immense power over our information ecosystem to privilege and elevate that worldview. MAGA Republicans are now openly calling for the next GOP presidency to be staffed with lawyers willing to prosecute political opponents across the board. If you wonder what future Musk-MAGA alliances might look like, this saga provides an unsettling glimpse. Thanks to Greg Sargent for writing that for The Washington Post. You should follow him on Twitter, Read everything he writes in the post if you get a chance. It's all good. All right. We have good news now. Listeners submitted good news to get to. You can submit your good news at dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. And we'll be right back with it after this quick break. After
1: these messages, will be right.
0: Hey, everybody. The holiday season is a great time to reflect on your family traditions and the future you're building towards. Looking around the table at our loved ones can be a fresh reminder of our responsibility to protect them, which includes planning to secure their future that's why you have life insurance. It's an easy way to give your family peace of mind. It's how you create a safety net. That way, if something were to happen to you, your family would still be able to cover expenses while getting their lives back together. Whether it's the mortgage, college expenses, or even monthly bills, life insurance is the best way to ensure your family is prepared for any outcome, no matter how dire. And this is where Policy Genius comes in. They help you compare options from top companies with their specialty team of licensed experts on hand to help talk you through it. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for $1 million of coverage. Some options offer same day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. Policy Genius doesn't waste your time either. Their technology makes it easy to compare insurance quotes from America's top insurers. With just a few clicks, you can find your lowest price. They use licensed, award winning agents who work for you, not the insurance companies, which means they don't have an incentive to recommend one insurer over another. This means you can trust their guidance without worry as they help you find the best fit for your exact needs. Even if you already have life insurance through work, it might not be enough protection for your family's needs. It might not follow you if you lose your job. So you want to check on those things. Policy Genius is good for everyone, including parents, caregivers, or anyone who has someone depending on them. They simplify the process so you can protect the people you love and ensure their future remains secure. It is no surprise that Policy Genius has thousands of five-star reviews on Google and Trustpilot. It's simple, it's easy, and it's necessary for the future of your family. Your family deserves peace of mind. A life insurance policy through Policy Genius can give it to them. Head to policygenius.com or click on the link in the description to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. It's time for the good news. Near. Good news. Good news. And if you have any good news, confessions, corrections, if you want to play, what the mutt, find the cat, what the shell, what the hell is in that shell? Opine on the bovine. What the heck wine? Cat me if you can. Guess the animal. Whatever the animal is, <laughs> send it to us. We would love to take a stab at it. Uh metaphorically, of course. Uh, if you have a shout out to a loved one or someone in your family, a family member, well, I guess your family members are your loved ones in most cases, right? Most cases. Uh, or if you want to give a shout out to a small business in your area, or your small business, or you want to tell me what your dissertation or thesis titles are, I love to hear those. Those are so fun. You all are so smart. It's um, it's humbling. Um, If you want to send us a shit kids say, or if you don't have pod pet tax, you can send us an adoptable pet in your area, whatever, anything you want to send us, anything at all. Dana will be back tomorrow. Send us baby pictures, especially holiday baby photos. Those are the cutest. Uh, You can send them to us at dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. First up from anonymous, no pronouns. The Sam Alito's mom satanic abortion clinic is now open for business brought to you by those champions of free speech, the satanic temple. Quote, in 1950, Samuel Alito's mother did not have options, and look what happened. Unquote. I had to share. Also, there's merch, and we will put a link to the merch in the show notes. Samuel Alito's mom's satanic abortion clinic. (laughs) So funny. Thank you for sharing that. Next up, James R. Pronouns he and him. I haven't written in about Cobalt the mini Aussie in a while, but I thought you might like to know that this past week we celebrated her 17th, 17th birthday. She's still doing well, though she's definitely feeling her age. Her vision is a bit clouded thanks to cataracts, and we can't let her try stares on her own, but she's still as cheerful as ever. I've included our first photo of her and our most recent. Oh, look at the baby Cobalt. And look (gasps) at... Well, she looks beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing that. I love the mini Cobalt, the mini Aussie Cobalt updates. Note from Kanai, we've seen Cobalt a lot, often in pictures with denim. Another Aussie, of course. Thank you for sending that update in. Next up from Sheila, no pronouns. Thanks for being both a trustworthy news source and a great listen to start my day. As a former grocery cashier, I hear all kinds of stuff while running people through, but this gave me a laugh. A mom and her six or seven year old daughter came through my line. As I was processing their order, the mom, looking at stacks of soda cases beyond the counter, said, Oh, we're going to need to get some pop. And the daughter said, What kind of pop does daddy like? Beer? <laughs> i live in a rural canadian small town a lot of guys around here refer to having a beer or two as having a couple of pops i guess it's what the dad had been saying within earshot of the kid and she took it to mean beer was just another kind of pop anyway hope you and all the beans listeners enjoyed a happy and healthy thanksgiving thank you sheila i hope you did as well next up from karen s no pronouns dear lovely leguminati leaders I number amongst those who have written to let you know just how much you've changed our lives. Having made the decision to move to France before the 2016 election, of course we voted, with full confidence that Hillary Clinton would win, I found myself living in rural France with my English husband, surviving the multiple shocks of Brexit, Drumpf, the actual Trump family name, and of course COVID. We found ourselves fighting on several fronts, trying to convince the Tory party to abandon the non-binding referendum on Brexit, as well as writing to every single Republican Electoral College representative asking them to use the Electoral Act to, to its purpose and reconsider putting such an unqualified numpty in the highest office in the land. Alas, we failed at both. It was a devastating time, which our fabulous French friends could not comprehend the gravity of, given their shiny new president Macron and spectacular health care system. It was hard to fully embrace our wonderful new life in France with the looming specter of the twin disasters of 45 and Boris Johnson, Bojo, and the stunning incompetence of both these idiots who watched their fellow citizens die without a scintilla of sympathy. For Solace, we had our lovely, Bo- uh, let's see, Beauceron mix, Nico cost us Nico lot us, Nico us, a, lot us. <laughs> a dog we rescued on a beach, uh, beach holiday in Greece in 2010. After transporting him to London, he followed us to Surrey, San Diego, and then finally France, seen here on his daily forest romp in the woods surrounding our city. He was remarkably intelligent and a gentle dog. He even learned to tolerate the variety of stray cats who made their way into our medieval home in the Centerville. Uh, See Edsel, the tabby, and Genevieve, the pastel calico. He spent 12 terrific years with us before he passed last December and helped us survive the isolation of Brexit, the drum fears, and covid But the burning rage I felt, at the sheer stupidity and mendacity of both governments began to affect every aspect of my life. I became incapable of casual conversation, as every action I could possibly take was ineffective. I developed a potty mouth as I was effing and blinding daily. Then I discovered the Daily Beans. And instead of living in a constant state of agitation, I began to realize that there are so many of us who see things for what they depend on each other and make good in the world, and you can do the swearing for me. It was no longer a lonely time of world devastation, but of possibility, connection, and clarity of purpose with the colorful language. Ending every podcast with the good news meant that, yes, the world could be bad, but people are basically good and want to do the right thing. I'm now back in San Diego to help my son with our business, We both listen to the Daily Beans, as does my English-speaking friends in France, our children in the UK, and my daughter in New Zealand. So we're spreading the love one relative at a time, which in our case is worldwide. Thank you from the bottom of our hearts for the thoughtful investigation of facts, the respect and affection you have for each other, and your guests is contagious. Just keep doing good in the world. Wow, Karen, thank you. Thank you so much. Look at this pupper. Oh, and here's the kittens. Oh, <laughs> the calico. These stray guys. Adorable. Well, thank you so much, Karen. Sending sending all the love and hugs. And thanks to everybody who sent in the good news. We're back at it. It's Monday. Um, Dana will be back with me tomorrow. And um, I just, I really appreciate... I really appreciate all these good news stories and you writing in. So if you have anything you want to send to us, please do at dailybeanspod.com and we'll click on contact. Corrections also, please, I welcome those. Anything you want to hear about that we're not talking about, let us know. We want to we want to, you know, make sure that we're giving you the news that you need. All right, everybody. Uh, as I said, I'll be back in your ears tomorrow. Then I'll be traveling to D.C., but don't worry. You will not miss an episode of The Beans. I will not miss recording an episode of The Beans. You will get your cleanup on L45 on Wednesday. And uh, your uh, episode of Jack, obviously, is out now. And there'll be another one this coming Sunday. It could be a very busy week. We could see George Santos expelled. Hmm, And then, you know, John Fugelsang and I will talk about that. On this uh, this Friday. And also, if you happen to be listening to this before 8 a.m. Pacific time, I'm going to be on the Stephanie Miller Show live this morning, Monday morning, in the 8 a.m. hour. So I hope to see you there. Everybody, until tomorrow, please take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Take care of the planet. Take care of your mental health. Take care of your family. Vote blue over Q and bring someone with you. I've been A.G. and them's the beans. The Daily Beans is written and executive produced by Allison Gill with additional research and reporting by Dana Goldberg.